Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're live. We're live. Post game two. Game, two games down in the Stanley Cup Finals. 2-0 Tampa Bay. A little bit of a... Not as exciting game, I would say, this one. Lots of shots thrown on net, but not quite, you know, the le- the quality of chances wasn't quite there, I, in my opinion. Join now, Josh, Jason. We're going to get into games one and two first. Bang those out. We got a Sim- Wayne Simmons re-signing in Toronto. Thoughts on that? Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Want to take a small look on that, see if that maybe what implications mm. that signing has. And then the oh, it's award season, and um, you know the old heads, the old writers, the big J journalists were out in full force because the Professional Hockey Writers Association now shows you who everyone voted for, and oh lord, some interesting <laughs> ones. Oh god, some people should get their credentials taken away because clearly they they're just throwing darts at a board. But let's get into it. So, overall, uh, games one and two, what have you thought? It's been uh, pretty interesting. Uh, game one, I think, was like a complete Tampa imposed their will. Montreal seemed a little overwhelmed in game one. Again, there's a little factor like we talked about last time where they haven't played this Tampa team before, so they don't know what to expect. And, like, I don't think Tampa fears anyone. It's, they've made that very clear. Of a lot. Like, they don't care who they play. They'll... They'll exert their will. They, we've seen it. They're able to play really any style of hockey. I think some of that is coming out in this series as well. I think we talk a lot about the skill of Tampa Bay, but there's a lot of little things they do really well. Christopher Stieg on Instagram was pointing out a lot about their puck retrieval along the wall in the offensive zone, which has contributed to, contributed to a lot of sustained pressure for them, especially in game one. It felt like Montreal could not get that puck out of their zone. Um so, yeah, that was game one. Game two was a little different. I thought Montreal definitely outplayed Tampa. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Vasilevsky, he doesn't get enough love right now. He's He would be my con Smythe vote right now if I had to vote for someone. I don't know if that's definitely not unanimous. I don't know if that's agreed upon. But It's definitely, someone to, it's definitely an award to think mm-hmm. about. I don't really have a mm-hmm. unanimous. You're right. It's not unanimous this year for Probably sure. Probably him point or Kucherov if yeah. they win. Yeah. And then uh-huh. obviously price for Montreal. But. Yeah, it's been an interesting series. Uh, Montreal's there; they hung in there tonight. I mean, it's just t- mm-hmm. it sucks to lose a game like that. If you're a Habs fan, you lose that one. You're like, oh, geez, this is gonna be an uphill battle. So the the, the puck battles along the board was one thing I really noticed, and you you really saw it when Tampa Bay's forwards were getting it along the boards, and just it wasn't even like oh look like turn head up turn 
D, make a D, pass to the D, make a pass to the center. It was you were so, seeing them intentionally just throw it around the boards and then trying to win those little puck battles here, puck battles there. And then off of those puck battle wins, they were able to get, get great possession, get a little bit of space. You know, Montreal's smothering them. They're getting a little bit of space from them and creating chances off of that. The reason I interjected here, did you feel that Montreal was doing a better job of winning those puck battles in this game, in game two versus game one? A little bit, I think so. But it's not, over, it's not overwhelming. You can tell okay. that... Tampa Bay, that is something they can do. This is not like, oh, one game they came out real with a lot of grit and competitiveness. No, these they have legitimate players that are really good puck retrievers and good at sustaining pressure, which is interesting because that's kind of been not what their forte has been in people's minds, right? They're a quick puck-moving team, good power play, good offensive skill, but that's the benefit, again, of having such a deep group up front. All these guys can do anything, really. They, they can give any look at you with any of their lines. It's just, it's an embarrassment of riches for John Cooper. And we've seen that on display over the last two playoffs. Yeah. It seems to be something that they've instilled in to the style of play that they want to play Tampa Bay of like puck, puck retrievals off the wall. And, um, most of your puck touches of, if you're playing a game happen along that wall. So it's, it, this seems like a, I don't know if this is, this, this has been their style of playing. I think this is something that they've been working on for years now just to instill in their players of how, how they want to play. And the most important thing is winning those battles and that will lead to other things. And after years and years of doing of uh, development, you got to assume that they've, they've finally put it all together. It's a, uh, it's good, good for them to see, honestly. It's, What's interesting about that strategy is like, think about what Montreal has been doing very well throughout the playoffs. Big defensemen, they're clearing out, they're winning the puck battles and trying to push it up ice from there. Tampa Bay's doesn't have the biggest set of forwards group. Who's the biggest guy? Pat Maroon. You're not even seeing it that, that much. Yeah, with it has nothing to do with size. Or Kalorin even. He wasn't even there this game. It's yeah. all about leverage that they're getting. Yeah. Like, look at all the guys that are winning these puck battles. Like, Braden Point. Yanni That Gord. third line. Are any of those guys above six foot? No. And they're just puck hounds. They're making life absolutely miserable for the field to no line oh, there yeah. so overall i mean game one just montreal got a taste of puck movement you said last episode your big point was tampa bay can zip the puck around very very well and oh my god did they have, oh, yeah. have they ever been but especially in game one they were just they it, it was bang 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 and then puck on net like I don't even know how to describe it. It's 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 like nothing else. That was just a better team imposing their will. That's what that Pretty game much. felt like. Like that was that felt like really just we're better. They could do no matter what Montreal tried to do, Tampa Bay had an answer and it was it there was not it didn't seem like there was a lot of room for Montreal out there, which is maybe wow. what they've been doing to other teams. I think Jason said they had more shots in the triangle in front of the net. Yeah, the home plate, yeah. In the first period of game 2 than they had in all of game one, yeah, they had. They, I believe going into the, the the third period of game one, they had one or two high danger chances, being down two zero or three one, whatever whatever it was. But if you're down that much and you're you're not able to generate chances, like that's an issue. Well, in the third period, halfway through, the shots were one one out. I think this was nine minutes into the third yeah. period of that game. The shots in that period were one one. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to come back and win in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. They just seem to roll over and die in that game. But uh, 
it's tough. They, it, credit to them though for bouncing back. They definitely des- like they deserve to win a meter this game for sure. Yeah, they were yeah. like sixty six percent on yeah. the deserve to win a yeah. meter. The um, one one yeah. thing I wanted to point out. I mean, we made a big. I made a big stink about the line matchups. How Leafs did a terrible job of it. We've seen other teams, you know, do it. And it was going to be curious how the Tampa Bay Lightning do their line matchups. Did you guys really see the the Gord? Uh, Gord yep. Coleman Goudreau line going up against Deneau's line and nope. making life hell for them. And that really changed the game out because we like Nick Suzuki really bounced back in game two. I gotta give him credit. How many sh- shots on goal did he finish? He was eight, all over, I and think, he was but he had a lot more. He was also he great defensively. He had three really good takeaways that I yeah. saw, but man, he struggled in game one. That yeah, line that struggled against game one. They saw too much of Point and Kucherov in that game one, like. And that was good work by John Cooper. It's it's what we talked about. Like they, he really did a good job countering what Montreal wants to do. It's crazy because you know who wrote about this yesterday? Actually, Steve Simmons wrote an article about this on how John Cooper was using the Gord line to counter the Dano line. Which, I mean, I guess it's pretty interesting. Obviously, he turned it to the Leafs to criticize the Leafs, but it's got a weird way of doing that. Yeah, but I mean, I thought it was pretty pretty like smart because yeah. you trust that line. That's the benefit, though, guys. They got a third line that's going to be a second line on most teams really yeah. let's be yeah. honest like that that third line plays similar to Vegas's second line if you think about it right yeah Vegas's yeah, second line has a little more skill i would say but in terms of what they can do on the ice like i'd say Carlson's more skilled than anyone on that yeah you know and what I, I mean but i think i think the number of hits that they throw like i think last year um the 20 19 20 20 season or maybe even this season as well each guy had like over 100 hits or it was two of the three had over 100 hits it's a great line and and he has no fear using them in any situation which benefits him right oh yeah because then you know what okay it's an offensive zone draw we're not putting out our two big lines but guess what we're gonna get a good shift of sustained pressure with gord's line and then the next jump over the ice we got either Stamkos' line or we got points line and you have and you have your shutdown line out correct your, your line that you like so to now bury so now we, now we have Stamkos' line or point line against suzuki line or kakanyemi line or stall line it's like wow that's a major mismatch for us yeah. so going off of what you were saying with nick suzuki last game his expected goals percentage was 38.31 not good 0.394 0.62 against not great not good. Um, tonight, though, a nice 63.29. One expected goals for 0.58. He essentially flipped against. it on his head. Pretty much. He played really well. Yeah. I, can we talk a little bit about the game tonight? Because it's something yeah. I found pretty interesting. So a lot of credit's been given to Montreal's D so far in the playoff run. They've been really good. I thought those two, last two goals were two massive mistakes by Montreal's D. Oh, Mike Johnson did a good job pouring it out. When that puck's turned over by Montreal in the neutral zone with, I'm watching it right now, there's, when they, when Tampa gets the puck in the neutral zone, there's five seconds left. There's absolutely no reason for Ben Chirot to pinch that far into the neutral zone. It, and it cost them. Barkley Goudreau made a crazy play. That was a very good entry. To, yeah. to tip it around Chirot. But if you watch the play again, if you're listening, pull it up. Sherratt makes like an extremely aggressive pinch to a point where he does a full-on poke check where he almost fully even turns his back on the play. Like, it's really aggressive. At that moment when there's less than five seconds left, do you need that really in a 1-1 game when in the stand? Like, it just seemed too aggressive for the game situation. It's like, know the situation there, you know? 
it, it didn't make sense to me. And but you got to give credit to Tampa because that was a great entry, like you said, by Barkley Goudreau, and a great finish by Blake, Blake Coleman. Coleman, like crazy <laughs> finish. finish over Philip Deneau too. And if you watched again, Deneau made the right play. He saw he was kind of the one who turned it over actually, and he qu- he quickly comes back. And but wow, great goal. Okay, so that now we're down two one. It was already not the most effective third period by Montreal. I thought they'd give a little more juice in that third period. They didn't get as many chances as I thought they had earlier in the game. And then goal three was a little bit of a fluke. But even again, the the, the strong part of Montreal's team is that defensive depth. Like, not depth, but you know what I mean. Like they Keeping they, everything to the outside. Right. And, like, just the muscle on defense and the ability to, you know, win those puck battles along the boards behind the net. And then move the puck up ice. And they've been steady and consistent. Mm-hmm. And that play by Sherratt and then the turnover by Edmondson to just throw it to nobody. Oh. And it's in the back of your net and the game's over. It's just two plays. And then to that add on to that, Sherratt's, so Sherratt scored a pinball goal in game one, but he also scored one into his own net. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's three he, goals of just boneheaded, like how, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you're putting your hands on your head like, how how did this happen? How did the, those go in? Yeah, Sherratt was on for in the first game on for every single goal against as well, and was a major <laughs> fact. Like I for, I don't remember the exact plays, but he was a major factor in every play that they got scored on. Here's the so. thing about a player like Ben Sherratt. He's clear. Like no offense to him, he's a good player. He's not a a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, he's playing on their top pairing, but that's one of those situations where you know what, like you're kind of riding by the seat of your pants there and it comes back to bite you in the worst time, right? The regression comes back and he's a good defenseman. He's not a top pairing defenseman though. And you could, he's really struggled in this series. Yeah. And again, I feel like their entire top four has struggled with the speed of Tampa Bay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't know what happened there. No, I know because (laughs) you're digesting the great point I just made. I guess so. I guess so. Um, In terms of, what I've got here, I mean, yeah, I mean, like just Montreal is just it, it, it's an uphill battle. Oh, I was really, really expect. I mean, I, I really, really liked what I saw from them in this game. Like when you look at it, when you compare this game to last series, like think about last series, four-one Vegas first game. You thought, okay, Vegas is gonna clean up. They're gonna do very well. Montreal bounces back game two and they win that one. This game, Montreal came out with energy. They had they had the advantage in shots and expected goals, not quite in quality chances, but they were all there. And then just to lose on just those two shitty, shitty mistakes has got to be a punch to the gut. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not to say Montreal scored on a really weird goal themselves there. Well, actually, three of, all three of Tampa's goals were kind of like – not good. I mean, the first one was was a screen. Um, Sorelli shot. Sorelli shot. And Jan Ruta Ruta tipped it. Ruta with a little tip. I don't. They, he they gave him credit for that eventually. I right? believe it he did, did touch tip it because you could tell by if how. If not yet, I think it will. You could tell by how but, Price kind of. Yeah. The puck just took about a six inch drop and it went right under Price's yeah, blocker. Yeah, exactly. So what I found interesting actually about Tampa's defense. Correct me if I'm wrong. I found that that like guys like Jan or. Uh, all of their defense are jumping up into the play, oh, especially yes. Eric Cernak. Yeah. But their forwards are very, very responsible with it. Well, that's what Jason talked about last exactly. podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. 
they the 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 one extra high forward allows for the defenseman to be active in the zone because they always know to like the the two forwards who are below the dots know to cover for the defenseman. It's just a just a flow free flowing system that they have in place. It's and, good. It's, and it's different than Vegas where they were getting bit in the ass because they love the low cycle game. And then when they're f- the fourth Four player, the defenseman, exactly. Then you get the odd man rush against. I mean, Tampa's done a really good job at limiting that from Montreal. We know Montreal likes to break through the neutral zone with speed, get some rush chances. They did a lot against the Leafs. You haven't really seen much of that. No, there was one Josh Anderson. Yeah, um, I know. Drove the net. Did, did he, he pass? Sh- the puck bounced around. I don't <laughs> e- yeah, I don't even know if he really shot on that one. But I said, I mean, like when Josh Anderson comes in on an odd man rush, like why are you? Why would you even bother blocking the pass? Like this guy just does not pass the puck unless it's no, to the other doesn't. team. Like pretty crazy. But anywho, we digress. Um, one thing. We guarantee, I guaranteed, sorry, I put this out there that Yoel Armia was going to play game one. I was under the impression he was on a plane, he was going to play game one, but instead we got to see Jake Evans, good to say Mike's boy. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was too bad out there. Um, But Yoel Armia was a good factor in game two. Like, you really noticed him out there. The numbers really supported what you saw. The, The panel in the intermission really liked what they saw as well out there. Like, he's just a, he's big. He's defensively responsible, and he's also a fairly skilled player as well that can put the puck in the net. So it was interesting to see the impact that, like, he's just a fourth-line left winger, the impact that he made out there for Montreal. But So were you surprised we didn't see Tatar? I guess they really have they no just, interest in using him. I, I'm, I'm surprised that it's gotten to this point. Yeah, uh, they must know something, though. Like This is one of those things where it's like, they obviously have no trust of him in the current system or the current way that they're playing, so they're not going to use so him. So I looked this up, and I thought, okay, maybe Tatar is a defensive liability or whatever. Like, Corey Perry's expected goals against in far less minutes this year was way higher than what Tatar's was. Like, so, I don't know. I guess, did he – he played against Toronto in – Tatar? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. He did. Yeah, he played yeah. eight games in the playoffs. He played. I think he played every game against Toronto, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm just very surprised. Oh, he was almost not supposed to play one of them. That's what yeah. it was. But I'm kind of surprised it's gotten to this point where mm-hmm. just he's on the shelf and he's not coming off. Like, I don't know. You can kind of use him in a series where you're not scoring goals. But who are we? I know some GMs have the philosophy of you need certain players uh, and you can't have too many of a certain type of player. So maybe the coach now f- is like, I, I don't know if that's, I have no idea if that, I'm just speculating here, but I wonder if the coach feels they the same way. They certainly don't have too many goal scores. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't. don't <laughs> like, very many goals. <laughs> maybe, maybe with the addition of Caulfield and like to, to Foley, Suzuki, like they, maybe they feel like they have too many of those like guys who could potentially so be a, f- like, I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, it's, I'm, I'm stretching here, obviously. They're I, in the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, I'm just you trying to, yeah, I can't, I, we can't, we can't say anything. What do we know? can't criticize too much, yeah. but, um, yeah, it, it certainly is quite interesting. So, one, one thing that's interesting, though, is Arturi Lekkanen left the game. Uh, I don't know if he returned. I don't think he returned. Um, so maybe we see Jake Evans back, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I you gotta I think it's Jake, think, yeah, yeah, right? I would think yeah. Jake Evans yeah. over. Yeah. I think he fits more what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. Shut down defense. But I don't know. My opinion, y- you need to score goals. It's worth yeah. it. If there was a time to do it, it wouldn't be now, now. right? Yes, Get a course. little jump in that lineup. 
but I don't know. Yeah. Again, it doesn't seem like that's something that they're going to do. So. Yeah, they've, they've yet to score a real goal against Vasilevsky. <laughs> like, actually, though. Like, the, the I don't first know how goal many is, people have scored real goals. The first goal is off of oh, someone's true. foot yeah, and then leg. So the first goal in the first game was ping uh, pong. It was Ben Sherratt, point shot off of um, the forward in front Sorelli. of Tampa. And then off of the off of Ryan McDonough, mm-hmm. and then into the net. Yeah. And then tonight, it was a flubbed backhand from the point that just trickled in. Yeah. Like, but yeah, you're right. No real. <laughs> that is kind of crazy. Um, how have you guys thought of? So I had him his name written down. He's I've noticed him a couple times because he's flashy. Uh, what have you guys thought of Cole Caulfield so far this series? He does his thing. I mean, he, again, the, the expectations that he's going to score for you every night is not realistic, no, yeah, right? And if he's not scoring, he's not doing much else, which is fine because he brings some offense. But I don't know. It just seems like there's less space, believe it or not, in this series for some of Montreal's forwards than there was against Vegas, which I, don't, I think if you yeah. think of the actual way those two teams are perceived, you may not buy that. That's what it's felt like, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I think it's the rush chances. It's all about those rush chances. Just not being able to, like, that's the only, it seems like that, that's how he scored most of his goals in the, in the Vegas series, at least. Um, yeah, I picked him to score three goals too, which kind of is not looking too good right now. I did as well. And I'm going to be a very incorrect. It looks like I'm okay with being incorrect about Montreal. I want to take a look at who's he been playing against on defense. Cole Caulfield game one. I mean, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Ryan McDonough. Not bad. How do you do? Good Tonight, luck. Tonight, Eric Cernak, Ryan McDonough. So no, that's yeah, the that, notion of there is no space. This yeah. probably hasn't been. Makes sense. Yeah. And then the, the second pair, three minutes against Victor Hedman at five on five as well. Jeez. It's tough. It's tough. Right. All those guys are like 6'4". They're massive. And their sticks are really long. Like and they can skate the, too. Yeah. They yeah. can skate. That's the difference. Yeah. Got a boy. Easy for those guys yeah. to close the gaps when you can skate and you got a long stick like that. Yeah. yeah. We, like, we love a defenseman with a long stick. Oh, yeah. And, and a podcaster with a long yeah, stick from time go. to time. <laughs> Shut up, Pierre Magar. There we go. Um, any other notes on this series? I mean, it's going to be tough for Montreal to come back now, obviously. I think a lot of people probably did expect this, though. I mean, they were an overwhelming favorite, minus yeah. 290 close, 75% implied probability there. I mean, they're yeah. a better team, and they've done what they're supposed to do. It's finally, so. a series is finally going the way that it, it was expected. Yeah. Yeah, That's knock knock it on wood right now because it's only two games in. Because yeah. uh, honestly, it's if I told you that uh, two games in that Montreal was the better team for one of the games, would you believe me? I don't think so. I don't think if I told you Montreal, maybe one game, maybe yeah, but, but but you're right, not expected. Yeah, like you'd, they, ex- you'd expect Tampa to come out two zero with two conditions. Oh yeah, wins, oh so. yeah. So I'm yeah, we'll, we'll see what Montreal can do bringing it back home. The only problem is it's just like it's the moral victory in game two is like it's it's terrible. It's, it's probably, almost it's worse. worse. Yeah, yeah, it is worse because like for your psyche, it's like we outplay. Oh, we still lost. Yeah, we had forty pucks on net and we yeah. still lost. Like, yeah. so um, we'll see. My last question: What have you guys thought of Steven Stamkos so far this series? He's been okay at this point. I think he's uh, he's almost like a like a Ovechkin type yeah, on he's the a ice. Role player where he's almost, just yeah. like. Not as dominant, but it's like it's a goal or a scoring chance or nothing, nothing really. I saw a couple of good back checks in the third period from him that I noticed, but he's first of all, he's definitely hurt. That's for yeah. sure. And second of all, like he's just not he's not even playing center anymore. He's pretty much just yeah. like a 
high danger shot winger, like yeah. threaten you off the rush, power, power play specialist, like almost like a Kovalchuk, actually, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I like because I bring it up because from what I've known, like tonight, I feel like he got a couple looks, but n- absolutely nothing came from it. He drew one penalty, which was, but I, I thought he could have shot it a little bit earlier there. Like it, it, something looks a little bit up with him. Kind of thing, and he hasn't been as good as what I've expected. I'll say this if I had to speculate on one guy from that team that nobody's expecting to get traded but might, it would be him. I think, I think they they look at that contract and say, like, okay, we won two cups, thank you very much, and like they can get like even just a first round pick back, for example. They would, I think, they would do that. And I think a lot of teams would definitely take on you. See, you're telling me Seattle wouldn't take Steven Stamkos. For sure. My problem is I'm pretty sure he has a no, he has move, a no move clause, so, so I don't think I think, he would I think wave they that. tried trading him last year, last summer actually. Or they yeah. no, they were open the idea. to it. Yeah. yeah, they were open to it. Which he's still a good player. I mean, though. he only has yeah. three more years left on his deal. Surprisingly, yeah. the problem is the injuries with him. Yeah, right. Like yeah. it's hard to count on a full healthy season. How many yeah. years I, has he gone without getting injured? Like yeah, you know? I, th- I think that I think that most of them it's are lingering tough. though. That's the thing. I think like when yeah. you snap your leg like that, it's yeah yeah it's a tough it's unfortunate it's a tough go at it but all right i mean but that's also not a good sign for montreal either like the big 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 boys from tampa at five on five have not been like crazy good they've been good you know, they haven't been like they they had a good power play goal like pucks went in but like if they if those guys come out really firing to like a stamp coast and yeah, yeah, these are big trouble. Yeah, it only takes one play for him to exactly the score. Honestly, there was one play. So I was speaking with someone. They were, I don't know, it was about arguing about the lease or whatever. And he was he mentioned Kucherov and how he's not like people are saying. Oh, Marner's not a, a, like a to the net, hard nosed guy. He's like, okay, Kucherov also plays from the perimeter, but that guy's an absolute freak. There was one play that really signified this to me. Like he comes into the zone almost no speed. He protects the puck. He's a small guy, 5'11", given, like, keep this in mind. He can't, comes into the zone, protects the puck, protects the puck, protects the puck. Ben Chirac comes in and tries to light him up. He literally, like, just shrugs him off, is able to turn around, throw the puck to Braden Point, and then from there, he gets into a good scoring area, and he was able to get a pass and a, a nice shot off. I don't know. I think Carey Price made the save or it went over the net, but to me, that just showed, like, the epitome of what like Nikita Kucherov, he's just a gamer. This guy's just so good at hockey where it's, he doesn't even need to be showcase fully showcasing his range of skills just to be making smart plays. And then putting the puck ending up in the back of the net, like bang, bang, bang. Like he's the type of guy where coach is going to say, okay, you watch him. You have your stick like on his ankles all night. Like you do not keep your eye off of him. And then you go to, make a turn to follow him and he's gone pucks in the back of the net. Like he's just such a gamer to me. I love watching him. He's also like, I don't want to say dirty. Sneaky has some like pest. He is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I posted the the trip. He's tried to slew foot. He's done a couple of those. Like, yeah, I don't hate it though. He's very, always that shows you honestly, like if you're not cheating, you're not trying to win. So, also, they do oh, the the Tampa Bay Lightning are cheating. Yes, they, they are cheating. It's been well established. <laughs> but also, another thing about Kucherov is, you notice on their power, they love that. It's kind of like a bumper play, but not really because it's a little lower. But he loves that like fake one timer mm-hmm. slider across the yeah. point, get the goalie going the other way. Price made a good save on one of the power plays yeah. tonight He's, on that yeah. on point. But he just the puck is on and off his stick so quick. He thinks the game so well. 
he's truly like a top five player in this league. It's hard yeah. to argue that at all. And I think he'll go down as the best Tampa Bay Lightning of all time. Maybe. Yeah. That's there's been a lot of them, a lot of good Tampa Bay players. San Luis, Lacavalier, Stamkos. Yeah. But I think yeah. Kucherov at the end of the day will be like him he's or Vasilevsky, maybe. Yeah. He's that good. Yeah. He really is. His and it, I just can't stress enough, like you said on the power play. It's so interesting. I I loved. I've loved watching him. I saw it like moves a, really quick. I saw a highlight tape of him and his like his deception when he gets the puck is insane. Because yeah. like he he does that hop that that slap pass like and like every time I I knew it was either a slap pass or a shot every time he wound up and you 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 don't, you don't know what know, he's doing and you don't you know never where know. it's going exactly yeah. yeah he has the he has the ability to send it across send it in the middle put it low you can put it anywhere even to the point is. Gushing about the guy. Transitioning from the power play, as you were mentioning there, um, what was interesting about tonight, like Montreal won the special, special teams, teams game yeah. and lost this game. Again, it's just a, to show how shitty these goals were. How, how have you liked? So the one thing you brought up, the you really wanted to keep your eye on Tampa power play versus Montreal PK. What have you thought of it so far? I think Carey Price is making a difference. Oh, like, for sure. He makes it hard on them. They scored in game one. They had a good. I think His they've had a good. I think they've solid. had a good amount of chances. Honestly, like I, I, I don't more than I've you've expected. No, I thought they would be pretty good on the power play still. Makes like sense. despite when what Montreal can do on the penalty kill. Like again, the penalty kill is a little bit always at the mercy on what the power play is going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to really have the be that active on the penalty kill where you're like destroying a really good power play like a really good power play is going to run on almost any penalty kill and that's kind of what i see mm -hmm. against with tampa bay doesn't matter what like they're they're so good and they move it so fast it's hard to stop they're going to get chances and they do they have i just looked right now they have 10 scoring chances on the power play through two games yeah. like, right. there's times where you see montreal push up and then just the pucks zipping around and they they have to collapse like, collapse that's back it. in because that down low option yep. is for real. Oh yeah, that's they exactly have, what we talked they about. They have three one time options up top, and then down low, it's just a sick joke. It's like they can just bing bang boom. It's in the back of the net, you know. Like Braden points, like him him in the middle there. He's their smallest guy in the power. He's one of the smallest guys on the power play, and he's in that middle spot, and he does a, such a good job with that too. I yeah. mean. And he doesn't have like an all-world shot or anything. No, like he has a good shot, like scorer. average to good shot. But he, again, he's in the right spot, and the puck goes in on and off his stick gets, quickly. Gets himself some space. Yep, that's gets it. Some, like they get him the puck, and it's in the back of the net. But I think we've nailed these two yep. games. There's not. I wish there was more to talk about. It hasn't been it. that entertaining either. Yeah. Just kind of sad. Right. It's been okay. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Okay. Are you guys surprised with anything from either team? No, nothing. I'm just surprised. I, I'm just Nick Suzuki. The turnaround he made. I think you, you talked yeah. about it a bit earlier. Let's give him some. He looked like a number one center yeah. tonight. I know we had yeah. that conversation last episode. He looked really, really good tonight. Um, I wouldn't I, say surprised. I've just really yeah. enjoyed what I've seen from Tampa's third line and Gord, Goudreau, mm -hmm. and Coleman. I mean, they've they've gotten goals in both these games, haven't they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. they've been nice ones too. Yeah. So. That was a that's they've the goal been, of the playoffs. They've been a, they've been yeah. a difference maker, the especially other guy, at five on five. The other guy, I just am still disappointed with him. I'm sure he's still hurt. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. Is Brandon Gallagher? I get he's on the shutdown line, but like, he's still got to produce a little more offense for them. Mm -hmm. he, I think he's playing with one hand. He's got to be. Honest. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to picture like what he makes on their team would be equivalent of like a Nylander or Hyman on the Leafs. It's like imagine, imagine using 
Imagine Mitch Marner being like your shutdown guy. It's, it's, it's just and, like, yeah, he's our shutdown guy. Even then, you got to like, give credit to William Nylander when he's in like precarious, precarious situations like this playoffs. He's still produced. Like mm-hmm. Gallagher is just not produced. Nylander has more points than Gallagher in the in playoffs. The, yeah, for sure. Gallagher has like five four points. points. You get yeah. the tough matchups and everything. But, but still, it's, it's still just I, I looks like, that. yeah, I understand that. But it looks like Brendan Gallagher is playing with one hand. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you got to love the heart. You got to love the scrappiness, though. But. Going in one on five and cross checking the other team in front of their net, I don't know, brother. Like, and then trying to what was he in game one where he ended up blooding his head? He tried to pull like Mikhail Sergachev over top of him. Yeah, Yeah. like, dude, this guy's got like four inches on yeah. you and yeah sergachev's a sneaky pounds. mutant eh? he's he a honestly big boy. is he gets yeah. into a lot of and unfortunately Gallag- gallagher with no helmet learned that the tough yeah. way yeah. like i saw a lot of people complaining on twitter saying sergachev tried to take like it was gallagher oh, it was, tried to take him to the ground and yeah, he yeah. he messed up that's it yeah, so it it's a tough look for the kid i mean if you're if you're gonna dish it like it's gonna happen yeah. once or twice right those guys know him perry marshall yeah. they know they'll get it eventually yeah. And what was what was Perry doing at the end of the game? Like, that was just suckered, classic Perry. Suckered Headman a little bit with the ref in the way. Ref yeah. in the way. <laughs> yeah. Headman at the end's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Up to all. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we can get into awards or signings next up. Up to you. Let's get into the the signings. So all right. first off, Wayne Simmons, two years, nine hundred K per. A little bit of a surprise to me. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, especially with the the term of it, as Josh was signaling to me there, I thought he was gone, number one. Number two, I thought he was taking, like, one-year deal on another team, another prove it, you know, broke my hand. I'm going to try it again, prove what I've got, a little PP2 action, bring that grit and that heart. Um, I think this deal soured on a lot of people simply because – he was a no-show in the playoffs. And when the Leafs lacked that energy in the most critical time, he didn't bring it, unfortunately. He played very well games two and three. I was going to say two games, and three, other than that. Game one, four, five, six, seven, where you lost five, six, seven. You had no energy in the first half of the games. It was like, ah. And then the two years on top of that, like, he's not the best skater, but that's where I, th- that's where I think people – mostly that's where the negative narratives came from. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Jason, you have any opinions on this? I was going to piggyback off something that you just said, but I fully understand the sentiment that people have in not liking the signing. I agree that towards the later half of the season, after he was injured and in the playoffs, he did, he was very underwhelming. Um, But I think the biggest thing here that people are not kind of forget about, I think with the lease is that, like this isn't hyperbole when I say this. We have legit the best skating coach in the NHL, Barb Underhill, and I really think that the the team. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. This is again all speculation. I don't know how much time they had <clears throat> working with those 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 skill coaches uh, in the off season and during the season. And I really wonder how much uh, we you can improve Wayne Simmons as a skater over the next two years. And I wonder I if that so. that's going to be a, a factor in it, and that could be why. They wanted to retain him for two years to see if they could if, cr- turn him into a better skater. Maybe okay, maybe 26-year-old Alex Galchenyuk, not 33-year-old Wayne Simmons. I mean, I mean, it's never too late to learn. It's really honestly like I'm not and I'm not saying he, like he 
He's managed Barb to. Barb Underhill gonna give her, give him a new pair of knees though, <laughs> like, and minus twenty years off of him. I I don't know. That's, that that's my this is my take on it. I don't. I like it. I think Simmons is a glue guy as well, regardless of the uh, of the the skills coaching mm-hmm. angle that I took there. I and it's yeah. also like only nine hundred k. That's a variable contract. Even if he he does not do well in in the first first couple of games, you can bury him and there's zero to no cap implications on that. So it's one of those low risk, potentially high like potentially reward any reward like reward. low risk some reward. So I'm okay with it. I have like so many thoughts on this just because you just watch the reaction now of Lee Sands. First off the top, there's like a legitimate level of like empathy towards the team where like people just don't even care. They're like, okay, Simmons, who cares? We lost again. Yeah. So see you in the playoffs. So like there's that sentiment that you get. You also get a lot of like the positive people who say like, oh, like they're probably banging on Simmons pre-injury. You know, he hurt, you know, hurt his hand, wrist, whatever it was. And he didn't look the same after that necessarily. I kind of buy that, but like, not really. He also wasn't in the same positions he was in pre-injury. They had him on the power play pre-injury more. He was on the first power play a little bit. Um, playoffs, he was okay. People are obviously upset about that. The thing with me, it's like, what is the only thing I care about is what comes after this, really. Like, it's such a low-risk signing. Like Jason said, it's 900K. Even if it's a second year, it's, it's 900K. It's nothing, right? What is it, an extra 150K over a minimum? Okay. Oh, well, like it's not going to kill you cap wise, very low risk. And then we'll see what happens. It's it just again, it, I wonder what happens with the rest of the roster. Because now if you pencil everyone in, you have Mikhaev, Engvall, Kerfoot, Spezza, Simmons, Robertson. Are those, is that your bottom six right there? Did I just name the bottom six? I don't know. So I think a lot of people also want to know, like, what's coming, though? Simmons. is OK, fine. Simmons. But. I I think a lot of people are afraid that they're just going to run back the same roster, which I don't think they will. So I don't think they. Can, that's like yeah. the multiple things I saw coming through my my head. But I I think Simmons is fine. I also like the fact that he wants to come back to the team. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think, oh, this team's doomed. They're cursed. They don't care about winning. You really think a guy at the end of his career would come back and sign two years if he didn't think a the team had a chance to win and b that it was a nice culture in the room? So that's another thing to look at. But. I don't know. It, I think a lot of people are like, okay, it's fine, but what's coming next? I think next? the big freakout reaction came from seeing like the same comeback after that collapse in the playoffs. What people are forgetting is the Leafs finished first by a mile in the regular season, and we're up 3-1 on Montreal with no John Tavares. And they lost Jake Muzzin in, in, in that span, in the ending span where they collapsed as well. Like There was some... and. Nick Foligno, who they brought in for a first, was injured on top of that as well. Like There was unfortunate circumstances that occurred in the playoffs, which resulted in the collapse. It was not just this roster didn't have it. This is not like the Leafs were not Winnipeg. If Winnipeg was bringing back Trevor Lewis, I could understand this sort of sentiment. Oh, he's old. He's washed, whatever. Like it's also also, on top of that. It's 900 K like as you mentioned. It's it's not that big of a deal. I do see some upside. I still want to view him the same way as I did last year when he signed with the Leafs because he was not coming off a couple good years when he signed no. with the Leafs for one and a half million dollars. One point five. It was a lot last year for one year, right? So that's why I'm choosing to look at it in a positive light. Like as you mentioned, 
power play two, a little bit of grit in your bottom six, you know, hopefully be that spark plug when the team's down and that he can stay healthy on top of that as well. So I, I think also a lot of people are unfortunately uneducated in the Leafs current cap situation because it's actually pretty good. Like they have cap space. Yeah. So if they want to, they don't have to carry um, an extra forward and defenseman. If they do want to carry 13 forwards, seven defensemen and a uh, goalie, they have 10 million cap to do like 10 million cap space to sign for those five expansion, pre expansion to sign those five, five, Which uh, could add an extra 1.5 to 3.5. Yes. Million, approximately. Yes. Yeah. So they have a ton of room. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling. They could go in with this roster like, today and make the playoffs. A hundred percent. Like, I think so. As and well. probably like it's not a bad roster right now. No. And they're gonna make big additions too. Trust me, they are gonna make a big addition. What percentage do you put on that? How, what, okay, well, you got to quantify big for me though. Then, like to top me, six. big is Tom, Thomas Tatar. Someone that's gonna be in our top six. One million percent, they will do above a Thomas Tatar level player. Wow, trade or signing? Most likely signing. Okay, but trade right. is also possible. Trade I'd say like I, I would say, like, but when I say most likely, I think like fifty-five, forty-five, trade oh, okay. uh, signing to trade. All right, makes sense, makes sense. But yeah, so while we're gonna stamp this Simmons signing and then we'll move on to something else, is like I don't know about you guys, lo- like like cheap, decent value, bringing in the vet. Yeah, I mean it's not gonna hurt you. No, it yeah. won't. Locker room seems to love him too. So yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. One thing I wanted to bring up, I heard today Pierre Lebrun said on Leafs Lunch, um, the Leafs reached out to Frederick Anderson's agent and asked if there was interest in his client coming back. And Frederick Anderson's agent said there is for the right price. I would bring him back. How for the much right money price. would you bring back Frederick Anderson? Two and a half. One year? Yep. One year, 2.5. Yep. I yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can afford it, yeah. I I you I always want to get the, I'm always a big getting the number lower guy, but uh I think that's a good deal for them because you really don't know Most Campbell was fantastic this year, don't get me wrong, but you do want some surety in case he exactly. isn't exactly what we thought he could be. Yeah, I right? also think they want a guy to play 30 to 35 games with yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, it it'll be a split. Yeah. I believe sorry, know that. It'll be a split. Um I agree one year, two point five would be a steal. I don't think Anderson will take that. How's he going to get more? At this he can't. Point? Like, how is he going to get more than that? Maybe term. Maybe he can get term. That's what I'm thinking. Like, but after we saw at the end of the year, hopefully he can come back from those injuries. But the goalies' names that I've seen floating around, relative to what Frederick Anderson is, I've seen James Reimer, who put up a nine oh five on Carolina and ended up being their third goalie. Yeah, he would be worse, but yeah, I wouldn't give bring him, more him than, back. Okay, Yaroslav Halak, who's thirty four years old and got injured at the end of the year. I don't know about that one. Um, and then I've seen some crazy ones out there as well, where just guys that are going to be way too much money. But, but, but those two guys would be cheap. Like, That's the advantage mm-hmm. to Reimer or so, Halak, right? Like Reimer's not making money on a free agent market this shouldn't, year. No shouldn't. way. Not more than two. No way. No way. Not the, more than two. The only thing why I don't think that uh, Frederick Anderson won't get as much money as you, as people think is because there's a lot of like pretty good UFA goalies. Grubauer, Smith, uh Bernier, eh. Smith is no. thirty-eight. Pecorine, Tukarask, no. Chris Drieger, yeah. washed. No, James someone Reimer, was. Si- I would be surprised Halak. if someone signed Rene to like a Holt B, 
like four and a half for one or two years. Yeah, yeah. he's been yeah. washed for, sure. for a couple. I know, of but years. How, there, how many guys have been washed that still still get signed? What about what about Tuka Rask though? That's a big one. He's he, going back to Boston for sure. Okay. He, he's already expressed interest in doing so. What about Halak then? Um, Halak will be gone. He's on the market. No, no, for us. Like I'm just, I just mean like as UFA goalies. Like what? Halak like what will he be could a cheap get. one year. I think that yeah. wouldn't be a yeah, bad he's back. He's going to be one, one, two years maybe. Max, 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 two years. Um, but in terms of Rene, that'd be interesting. Chris Dreger. I was to about me, to say that. Most, Holy most smokes! Interesting one. I was about yeah. to say that. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a guy that's come off of. Small sample size, great, great year, 930, whatever. And then this year, 20-some-odd games, 922. I really like – his physical assets are absolutely not there. He's not the biggest goalie. He's not the quickest goalie. But his anticipation to me is off the charts. And he wildly outplayed Bobrovsky this year. He stole that number one job, deservedly so, with a salary that's 10 times less than the starting goalie was supposed to be making – and they kind of screwed him in the playoffs, in my opinion, there. But and the other thing is they have Spencer Knight coming up, right? So, yeah. I mean... It, He's who, not going back to Florida. Who yeah. Exactly. And the thing with Dreger... How do you pronounce it? I want to Dre- say... Chris Dreger. Dreger? Oh, okay. Yeah. I would give him term, too. I have no yeah. problem doing that. Really? If, we, if it lowered the AAV, yes. Because the other thing is if he plays really well this year, you can use that as a leverage against Jack Campbell in future negotiations as well. It can be like... If we three or four years and it lowers the AAV to like the ones ish, the two like it won't. you don't think so? You think someone's gonna pay big for him? I right? I, I could see someone paying big for him. I could see two years, three and a half, four per. Okay, I got a I got a quick rat race for you then. Yeah. Whose AAV is higher, Frederick Anderson or Chris Dreger? Oh wow. Chris Dreger, I think. What a question. Chris, you got to be quick with it. The it's issue is I haven't seen any feelers on Chris Dreger, and I don't know what the perception is of Frederick Anderson right now out there. Like, that's that's very, very tough. I'm going to go with Frederick Anderson just because of the name. Fair. Like, Dreger, I, I'm sure people are still going to try to lowball him in terms of, hey, how much have you really played? We've only seen 35 games a year kind of thing. Frederick Anderson, we've seen a body of work. That's where I think Anderson will get more. But Chris Dreger is going to be a very, very interesting name to keep uh, keep your finger on there, you know. But Interesting. I like that. I don't know how we get – oh, yeah, that's how I, – I meant – I brought it up. That's how we got to this point. <laughs> um, secondly, the signing, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to discuss this Edmonton signing was do you think this sets the market – for the rest of the free agents, and how so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, that's a big market because um, I know some people were sh- like kind of shocked at the number, which I thought was I thought it was like pretty fair, honestly, and you got eight, eight years. Um, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a legit number two center in the NHL. He's a 60-point guy. Like, he, he's a legit – he's a legit number two center. And I think, like, setting the market at – five five point one aav for a number two center i know it's a flat cap world we live in and i know he got the eight years so it's gonna be tough to compare to the ufa market because you can only give seven but i can't imagine that one year is going to make that big of a difference it really does set the market it makes me wonder how how are people saying that zach hyman like no like how could he get six if ryan nugent hopkins gets 5.1 you know like i i would take ryan nugent hopkins at five over zach hyman at six any day of the week like I, and I expect a lot of the numbers to we we see to be a lot smaller than for for these free agents, especially centermen. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to see because uh, I, I wonder what like a good third line center. We were talking, my brother and I were talking about this in the car. Like what what would like a Philly Deneau go for if uh, mm-hmm. if um, uh, Nuge makes five point one right? Like I, I believe at the beginning of the year uh, he was offered a five million dollar deal and he turned it down. And I think I think maybe he should have accepted it now because maybe he's not even going to get no, that it was, much. It was four something and oh. he wanted five. Ah okay yeah. okay to be signed right away. And it's interesting about this contract. I mean, his last contract was more. He made he made more in AAV. 14, I think. Signed at the beginning of the 2013-2014 yeah. season. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, 7 six. by 6, $42 million. This one was 8 by 5 and a tad. First of all, good for him for making like $100 million in his career. Yeah, it's pretty Not sick. Bad. Pretty good. Um, it's okay. So for, <laughs> There's for, no signing bonus, though, until 25 That's what 26. I was saying. It's interesting that, that they didn't have any sign. It's honestly... a. In my opinion, if they can, st- here's the thing. I think McDavid's probably gone by then, by the time his contract's done there, unless something crazy happens. Maybe that's a crazy take, but like. What, they actually win? Maybe, but like the last three years that might kill them. Okay, but you want to win right now with Connor, right now, right now. Yeah. So, okay, the, we know those are going to suck. Every UFA that signs for more than five years, the end of it's painful. It's just inevitable. So to get him at that number with no signing bonuses either, like. I mean, it's pretty good for the team, I think. Like, it, it's a pretty low-risk deal other than the years at the end. Like, he's going to be, for sure, a $5 million player oh, in yeah. this league. Oh, yeah. So I have two questions about this one. Number one, do you think that COVID kind of had a big precedence on this number? Uh, yeah, but I also think he really appreciated the full no move as well that mm. keeps him in Edmonton for sure. He wants to stay there. He likes it there. Yeah. Maybe COVID affects that, though, by the way. Everything's happened in the year. Guys who want a little more stability maybe in where they're going to play. But I, I think just the flat cap obviously affects it a little bit. I mean, two. I think this discussion started with him about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I, like last year, people were saying seven. I mean, it was probably common like a seven, seven by seven, kind of the, the Kevin Hayes deal that's been pointed out. Like that was a good framework. So I think it affects it a little bit, but not that much. Yeah, it's very interesting. Kevin Hayes, who signed before COVID, very eerily, eerily, eerily similar, or very, whichever word you want to use, very similar numbers to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, almost like dead on identical. And Kevin Hayes got $50 million, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins ended up with 41. Mm-hmm. So quite a disparity there. And, and a much two mil lower two, AAV. Exactly. Is, exactly. Did, did Hayes get seven? Seven, one, two, five or something like that. So sorry, how yeah. many years? Sorry. How many years? Seven years. You got seven, seven years, years okay. fifty mil total. Um, and then my second question was, do you think Ryan Nugent Hopkins offensive numbers will make a rebound this year? Because although it wasn't too too bad, I think he was in the thirties or so. He was playing twenty minutes a night and with some very good players. So I I trashed on Ryan Nugent Hopkins at the beginning of this our, our little introduction into the podcast, but I did do a little more research. His shooting percentage was down about 4 to 5% this year, and his individual point percentage was down a significant amount, which uh, I, 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 forget, I forget what exactly uh, that number represented. I believe it's how many points you contribute to while you are on the ice. And so he normally career average was he was significantly down from his career average this year so this just might have been one of those fluke years and i think maybe edmonton might have might benefit from that because we could we could see a big bounce back in the numbers he gets i think you can pencil him in for 20 to 25 goals like low 60s points and he'll pretty much bring you that consistently like 
And, and that's it's a good player to have. Yeah. Like I, I like using Cap Friendly's comp- contract comparables tool. There's not a real comparable because it's kind of rare for a guy to get eight years and not sign like a much bigger cap number. That's true. So wh- like the ones here, the first one is Braden Shen, eight years at six and a half. Like comparable, that's probably pretty similar in terms of skill level. Like Shen's probably a little better, but making 1.5, interesting. They sign at the same age too. The next two though are interesting. So you have... Brian Little signing for six years at 5.29 in 2018. I mean, he's way better than Brian Little. Mm -hmm. And the one after that is Charlie Coyle with Boston signing six years at 5.25. So, I mean, like it's, it's a pretty fair contract. I think for Edmonton, when you look at those comparables, so I I think they did a good little piece of work. The other thing you got to remember is, like when you compare him to some of these guys, like some of the other comparables I'm looking at, like Brian Little was 30 when he signed. I see a Derek Roy contract from back in the day. He was 30. Like he's 28. He just turned 28. He's a younger guy, which was makes the eight years a little less painful, right? Because it's he's still only he's, he'll be 35. I think he's not going to be 40. It's not a Patrick Marlowe situation, right? So my first instinct was I like this for Edmonton. So and I and I'm sticking with that. I think it's yeah. pretty good for them. And they they still got cap space to make more moves, which is really good for them. Mm-hmm. On top of that, JG Pajot signed uh 2019-2020 season for 6 years 5 per. Probably a very new is better. Yeah. Yeah. Than JG yeah. Pajot. And yeah. I mean longer term and a tad tad bit more AV, but I mean, yeah. It's also, not bad. The other thing to remember, sorry to interrupt, if they lose Nuge, they have zero secondary scoring. Like, you can compare about what he brings to the table. They don't have him. They have nothing. Nothing. So, important to keep him around. Oh, yeah. Um, In terms of free agents, does this sway what you think Zach Hyman will make? Um, Maybe a little bit because I thought he was going to go to Edmonton. But that's still possible. I yeah, think. it's still possible. It's still on the I, table, think, I think I, I could see Edmonton going because they have cap space, right, yes, Jason? You can yes. confirm that with yeah. me. Yeah, I could see them going really aggressive, but on a shorter term deal. Yeah, like maybe a three year at seven million per Jeez. six six to seven per. I could wow. see them doing that. So the the big thing with Edmonton is they have a lot of one year deals this year, especially that are easily movable. So even if they 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 have. Uh, 16 mil in cap space oh, they right have now. They have space. T- tons of they space, have tons of space. Of and they have pretty much seven defensemen locked up, 10 forwards locked up. They have pretty much almost a full roster, two two goalies as well. So they, they have a ton of space to pay guys. So Also, if you remember what Ken Holland said at the trade deadline when they made no moves, they say, basically said like indirectly, like we're not going all in at this time. We will, but it's not going to be at this time. I yeah. think after getting swept, we're turning up the heat on Kenny Holland. He's never been afraid to sign free agents. So... I think if there's one team to circle about like this free agency making a big splash or multiple big splashes, and they already did kind of keeping Nuge, I think Edmonton. I think you're looking at Hyman possibly, if not him, one of the other wingers. I think you're looking at maybe an Alec Martinez type on D. Yeah. Yeah. So. That'd be a nice one there. Um, my other question that I had, no, we were going to get into, I mean, I think I've closed, uh, nailed it. If, I think yeah. you guys probably enjoy like we we really enjoy talking cap. This is my yeah, so this is my favorite part. About I think hockey, when this as this is coming out more, I think you'll enjoy these these segments as well. Hopefully, I noticed you saw me making a face when I was looking at I was looking at cap friend. It was when Jason was speaking. It had nothing to do with what Jason was saying. I just saw that the Avs re-signed Jonas Johansson, the goalie. 
Yeah. Um, a Buffalo beat writer once called him the worst goalie in the NHL. <laughs> oh, my God. And said that <laughs> players were frequently always celebrating when they would shoot on him because he was so bad. Uh, I think they just did this to expose him to Seattle. Yeah, I think you're right. But, like, you couldn't have found a better goaltender. <laughs> like, now you actually have to pay him and play him somewhere, man. Like, I don't know. That's I was a little surprised to see that. <laughs> That's funny. League minimum, but League, still. Yeah. Um, the other things we wanted to get into real quick, awards. Mm, the so we saved topic. 20 hits to the end simply because there was just so much to pick from. I mean, literally, we could have just scrolled down Damian Cox's Twitter timeline. We kind of did do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. like It it was a gold mine. This guy lost his mind. Like It was literally as if someone cut open his stupid bald head and took his oh, brain no, out. Like This guy was going crazy. And you had an interesting tidbit. There, there's a little bit of fuel as to maybe why he's making these, these comments. Do you want to... Well, I mean, if you remember Damian Cox when Sportsnet got the rights, he was him and I said for him and Strombolopoulos were like the two big new signings that they kind of had. And obviously he no longer is a hockey reporter anymore. He's no longer writes for the star. He doesn't he does his own thing, I think. So at one point he was a member of the Pro Hockey Writers Association. At this current point, he is not a member of that association. So when you look at somebody who's continually bashing an uh, uh, whatever, a writer's association, when you realize that he was once a member of that and no longer is, it kind of brings some perspective to his uh, complaints about the Pro Hockey Writers Association. So maybe a little bitterness there from one Damian Cox. Oh, yeah. He, was, he quadrupled down on his stupid McDavid tweet saying that McDavid deserved the heart. I mean, he said the Lady Bing, um, which is funny because then someone responded with a video of uh connor mcdavid elbowing Corey perry in the face and damian cox went oh yeah no, no that's a that's a dive i saw that <laughs> yeah. like, dude that's that just screams you've never played hockey before like he's getting elbowed in the freaking face i don't know how else to explain that one to you pal but yeah go take a look i mean Damian Cox just lost his mind over everything. Also, the Chicago Blackhawks logo, he was just, he was going crazy on that. He was finding different articles to reference. Oh, this team changed their logo. Why haven't the Blackhawks done it? And then just people would link articles and he would choose not to read them or only read tidbits of it. It was, he had himself a a week, I want to say. Yeah, I think he's, I don't know what he's doing. In terms of the awards, were there any that you guys disagreed with? I mean, honestly, it was probably one of the least controversial, other than the one we talked about last week, which was GM of the year. Like, yeah, I, I was okay with all of them, to be honest. I was too. The I only one I, I think was close, and it, the voting was close too, was Vasilevsky versus Flurry for the yeah. Vesna. But like giving it to Flurry, like I have no issues with that. Yeah, absolutely. Not. I had I I I would have picked Flurry. I, think I would have picked Vaz. I also like picked Vaz. It's but like a splitting yeah. hairs thing. Yeah. But yeah. also the first place votes were pretty much, it was like 14, was, 12, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I also would have, no, I would have for sure have Flurry two. It's not like I would have Flurry like three or four. Like it would, it would be yeah, one of those two. like that. I mean, there were some other goalies in there that you could have tossed in. Varlamov had a great year. UC Saros had a great year as well. Like Grubauer was in the running. I wouldn't have put him there, but like, some other good options there too, but 
we were splitting hairs there. McDavid Hart, like, I don't think anyone would have debated that one. Unanimous. Adam Fox, Good for him. Adam Fox Norris, while missing the playoffs, I thought was interesting. I'm surprised he got it. Yeah. I think he deserved, he deserved it, but it. I'm surprised he Same got here. it. Same well, the here. funny thing is Damian Cox thinks this current era of the Pro Hockey Writers Association is bad. I think it's pretty good. I think they've yeah. done a pretty good job. They nailed all these. of them. Yeah. Which is a very funny year to start criticizing mm. the professional hockey. You might say yeah. more about Mr. Cox than it does about the rest of yeah. them. I really I'm just happy that, that the defenseman isn't going to NHL.com. Sort by points. points okay, time on two, ice. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> even though it kind of was because Adam Fox. Talk. Yeah, but still, like he Maybe he does. Yeah, he deserved it. That's my. That, I I kind of find that funny when it's like when they're just someone's describing a defenseman how good is. Yeah, he plays a ton of minutes. Okay, that, that's fantastic. Put me out there for twenty five <laughs> minutes. I won't do anything. Duncan Keith plays a ton of minutes. Yeah, and he's uh. But anyways, I, I just want to make a quick. Uh, I have some gripes with the awards, and the, this is more of a deep. This is only if you take a deep dive and to look at who voted for who. So my first big issue is two people left off Austin Matthews off their heart ballot, which is shameful, honestly. Can I name one of them? I'll name his yeah. heart ballot. It's he writes for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. His name's Seth Ronabaugh. It's a card. It's hard to read it. Again, I'm sure he's a smart guy, but so he had McDavid one fair. Crosby, too, again, it's probably a little home cooking. He writes for Pittsburgh. You see a lot of that. Mark Spector, Edmonton's writer, had Leon Dreisaitl as second for Hart, which is kind of interesting. But Jonathan Huberto, third, which is like, is he even the most valuable player on his team this year? Like, no. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Mark Stone, fourth. Again, Mark Stone had a good year, but did Mark Stone have a better year than Austin Matthews? No. And was he the most valuable to his team? And then the weird one was Patrick Kane, fifth, again. He had a good year point production wise, yeah. but like that team was eliminated in March. Yeah. So yeah. How are how are those last three better than Austin Matthews? I would yeah. love to know. That seems or like more a sp- valuable considering how like Matthews had doubled the second place on Leafs and goals. Like yeah. he, did that, you guys have did you guys see so in the awards voting, what was your most surprising vote that you saw? Uh it was Mark Spector voting. Leon Dreisaitl <laughs> second for the the Selkie. Oh, he voted him second for the Selkie? Uh, isn't that what you said? No, oh. the heart. Oh, okay. okay. But so I think he also voted for the No, he voted him second for the Selkie as well. That's oh a, that's a, that's, a, that's psychotic. I'm now, sorry. That's, that's the worst one. No offense to Leon Dreisaitl, but I don't think anyone's ever mistaken him for a defensive specialist. He's, he's actually surprisingly a very good goalie. His on-ice save percentage <laughs> is like 96%, which is insane. When he's on the ice, his goalie saved 90%, which is, I don't know... I. Advanced metrics suggest that's not him, but who knows? Maybe maybe Mark Spector knows more than we know about him. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going against him on that one. Yeah, that's, that's just... That's, um, that really my that's favorite wild. one that I have to... I mean, so the Selkie Trophy. And the reason that I... That you can just find a plethora of bad opinions in the Selkie Trophy is because think about some of these writers that don't like analytics and will not look at the charts and will not look at the graphs and whatever and just want to rely on what they watch. Do you think they're watching more than 10 games of some of these guys that they're voting? Not even close. Like, did you watch 10 games of Mark Stone in the regular season this year? Vegas. No. No. But also, like, not even that. Make it harder. Like, did you watch 10 games of Logan Couture in San Jose? No, absolutely not. Or Anze Kopitar or anything like that. Or Luke Glendening. I'll get to that one. So 
if you don't believe in analytics and you're voting for someone outside of your market, you're just a liar. You're just a straight-up liar. What, you saw two games of them? Like, how can you vote on their defensive performance based off of two games? You know what you're doing? You're looking at plus-minus or something moronic like that. Maybe block shots hits. Block shots, another fantastic one there. Um, so that's why my gripe, my vote for the best vote from these professional hockey writers was Luke Glendenning getting some fifth-place love for the Selkie. I don't know if they thought he played for a different team, but blocking a ton of shots for the Detroit Red Wings and then just getting caved in every night is not worthy of the Frank J. Selkie trophy. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know who these people think they are that were voting this. Like, It's uh, one of those things where just because the guy plays, like, defensive minutes on a team, they think he's... But also, like, Detroit got just absolutely caved all year. That's the other thing you mentioned, like... Brian Hedger from the Columbus Dispatch, like... Like, I'm sorry, I don't don't know if even Bergeron on Detroit would be a Selkie candidate with how poor that team is. Like, they have to consider that as well. Like, what was he doing? Just getting caved in every night, like... So like I, on top, Nick Paul was a fifth place vote here. That's a fun one. And then Connor Brown got a second place and a fifth place. Ottawa was one of the worst crazy. defensive teams in the league this year. I, I'm throwing David Amber under the bus for that fifth place vote. That oh, was, that was David Amber. That was wild. I respect that man. He apparently is a very, very. Uh, he apparently is a winning better. I don't know. That's what Freed says. But uh, mm. to throw Connor Brown in there is a little. Uh, it's interesting. I'm sorry. He wasn't even the best defensive player. Like he wasn't the best Selkie like nominee on his team. Yeah, it should have been Friedman voted Connor Brown. Should well. have been Josh Norris if it was anyone. And he uh, he actually made the the first the the first all rookie team whatever it is. Um, yeah, he's. But yeah, that, that, that's so weird picking a guy on on like some of the worst teams. Like I, I think I figured out Luke Glendening though. He was third in block shots. So it's funny that these guys probably oh. use block shots as a yeah, there it is. and they refuse to lose an, use analytics. Like it's like <laughs> you're gonna use block shots. Like what does that tell you? Here's my thing. Defensive actions, performing defensive actions does not mean you are a de- good defensive player. Yeah. If you're able to continually block shots and hit or whatever, and the puck just circles right back around and back into your zone and it's just more pound job on you there. And you just you're blocking the shots. Some are going through whatever. Like, how are you a good defensive player there? It's just going one way. I don't know. Is the goalie the best defensive player on the team? Then no matter what, they're blocking the most shots. By that (laughs) definition, that's true. I don't know. I put forward a motion that everyone for the players, hockey writers, whatever the hockey writers association, whatever it's called. Explain yourself. Uh, yeah, you have to write an article. Just literally put ten words. Just be and like, you know I why? thought a lot of them do actually. Yeah, though the, the, the smart re- ones, the, re- the reputable <laughs> ones do. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy last, the guy who put Essa Lindell top three or whatever in his Norris. Like his, he someone criticized him for, it and he wrote out a reasoning, and then I don't know the person shriv- who criticized him shriveled up and was like oh thank you so much for this but the reasoning was terrible <laughs> he looked at it, it like his course he's like his course he was 46 percent but considering that he was mainly played in the defensive and 29 percent of the times which actually included um, neutral zone draws as well so nice okay. job idiot 
Um, like, and then he's like, according to this, it, it was forty six percent is good. No, it's not. He was like a minus five relative to his teammates. And also, why is Corsi your defensive measure of a of a? Or sorry, your measure of a a, a defenseman. I don't know. Yeah. I got. Can I go with one more? So the same guy who had that said. weird heart ballot. Can I read you his Selkie ballot quickly? Yeah. So again, back to Mister Seth Rorabaugh. Sorry for not mispronouncing the name. So number one, he voted for Jean Gabriel Pajot. If you're wondering if anybody else on the ballot, all the 100 writers voted at all for Pajot, either first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. No, he was the only person to put Pajot on his ballot. Hey, he could see something we don't know, but seems like maybe off base there. He had, so he had Connor Brown second. I think again, two guys from sports that had him fifth. Okay, well that's fine. Third, he had Radic Faxa. I'm sorry. I think Radic Foxa is a good player. Are you telling me Pittsburgh buddy Seth has watched enough Radic Foxa that, again, he's the only guy to put him on his Selkie ballot? So what is he seeing in Radic Foxa? I don't know. Good player. That nobody else is. I think the fourth one's the weirdest. Logan Couture was his fourth one. and I like Logan Couture. He's a really good player. If you watch San Jose this year, there was not a single good piece of defense played for that team all year. So that was weird. And then he topped it off with Luke Glendening fifth. Just to, just the absolute icing on the cake. Straight I just want top. to know, again, give me your reasoning for that. I would love to hear it. Seth Rohrbaugh, if this is a uh, call-out, not a call-out, but we just want to invite you on the podcast. If you ever want to come and explain, we can have you through Zoom. We can have you however you want. If you ever want to come on and explain, you're more than welcome to. I'm going to be tweeting at you after the show. So I hope, I hope you... Uh, I hope you're just, uh, I'm just curious. I'm curious to hear your point of view because I feel like it's not really fair that we're, we're not bagging on him. We're just, we're just speaking his, uh, his truths. So I I want he- to hear it from him. So if you're out there, come on the show. I'm the not other, bagging on him. I'm just baffled. By the other him. thing, like, again, if you find a good writer, for example, like I'm just going to pull up Dom from The Athletic, who I think everyone knows right now is probably you know, on a small list of like the best hockey writers going right now, Hart Trophy, McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, Barkov, Marshawn. Anyone arguing that? No. 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 Norris Trophy, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Doug, Dougie Hamilton, Devin Taves, Charlie McAvoy. Anyone arguing that? Really no. Selkie Trophy, Barkov, Pavelski, Joel Erickson, Dano, Bergeron. Anyone arguing that? Who was the first there? Barkov. Oh, okay. Yeah. The guy who won the award. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's not that complicated. He like, also explains it though in an Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's he was early on Pavelski being like a absolute defensive stud this year, which he was. He, was, like he was. really was. So yeah. That's our just our awards tangent. Shout out to two guys from Minnesota though who got Selkie Love, Joel Erickson Eck and Marcus Lino, two very good defensive forwards. Good for them. Yeah. In yeah. in a in a league without or sorry, in a yeah, I don't want to say league, in a online journalism culture without analytics, I'm not sure those guys get votes. So Yeah. It's good that they get the shit out that they deserve for being two really good hockey players. Yeah, and a side note, I really think that the uh, Twitter has really grown uh, the the cr- grown the quality of the the votes and the the people who are nominated for these things because I really think that the analytics community, even though some people don't like it, it is having a positive impact on on. No, these but also people ceremony. are being held accountable for their votes. Yep. You can't just toss a fifth place heart vote to the team that you cover, like a nice little JT Miller throw out there, like. Make him feel good for you, but um, for the Calder, did you guys think it was interesting that it was almost unanimous Kirill Kaprizov, except for Per Bjornman of Uff, some sort of I don't know where the heck does this guy write? 
You put Jason Robertson. I have no problem with that. I, yeah, I don't, you I don't, unanimous Kirill Kraprizov? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised Nadelkovic didn't get more love, too, as, like, yeah. was a first-place vote here or there. But I think all those guys were good. I was like... This was like a not like a not big argument year for the Calder. There wasn't that many like super stud rookies, so I was good with it. Do you think Yegor Sharangovich deserved a second Absolutely place? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I just saw that. I don't. I don't know how. Like I. I unfortunately I watched way too many New Jersey games as a result of my fantasy team, and he was. He's just not that good. Like he, I don't know how you can give him a. a Over he had Jason good numbers. Robertson. That's why he, he had, had decent numbers. Yeah. He did like goals, but, like but goals no, no, that, that's that's because he was playing with Hughes. Hughes took a, a, big, a big step forward this year, which not many people were talking about. But uh, that definitely was not was not. I don't think definitely he was not that a good Calder a year. Definitely not a Calder year. No, Josh Norris. He should have been on this list. Josh Norris. I yeah. think he was somewhere. And I, I I I see his name around here somewhere. But yeah, definitely Sher- Sherganovich should not have gotten it. Yeah. All right. I think we've nailed everything. Um, anything to close off with? Any thoughts on that Duncan Keith rumor? It's interesting. I wonder what they get out of him. I don't think it's going to be very much. If I, I, I think if you can get anything for him, it's a win for Chicago because they yeah. clearly want to go another way with him. But I thought it was interesting the way that uh, Friedman worded his tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe he said it was a Western Canadian team or a Pacific Northwestern NHL team and if you look in the Pacific Northwest of the United States because obviously he said the Western Canada so we're not talking about Canada now if you look at the Pacific Northwest of the United States there's not a single team there oh unless it's Seattle you add Seattle it is so nobody says that for anyone other than Seattle yeah that's so like it's, a, in the sports world Pacific Northwest is like Seattle Seahawks like yeah, that's the so idea. it's I think it could be an interesting one for Seattle I, like I think it could be a good great move for Seattle the so. weird one is Western Canada is that like the it's Ken Edmonton Holland or big, Cal- big splash that he wants to make. He's on the Olympic team. He probably likes him a good amount. Thinks maybe they can get him a retained salary. Like maybe they get him as a replacement for Tyson Berry because Tyson Berry's asking for too much. Because like I don't know how I don't know how much of those two would work together on, in the same D, decor, right? Like they do a lot of the same stuff. It I, seems I, like the problem is that he obviously Keith's game has absolutely cratered the last oh, couple yeah. of years. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot of tread on those tires. So like you have to shelter him to like a middle pairing role at best right like okay. and you're not going to trade for him to put him in your bottom pairings so you're going to assume he's your three four defenseman and I, I, who knows maybe in a little more cushioned minutes he could still be a contributor but it, this has the feel of like if it's not seattle which i could see seattle trying to maybe rehab him and flip him for a pick for example yeah if it's like winnipeg or edmonton i could see them tr- mm, that could come back to bite them oh, i wonder if it's Oh, Winnipeg. I didn't even think about Winnipeg. Are they considered Western Canada? Is Manitoba Western Canada? I don't... Central. No, not really. Not really. I just kind of thought of, like, the division. That's why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, of course. That's fair. But definitely not Vancouver, right? Like, who knows? I I don't know. Actually, I could see it. They they said they wanted to add... uh, Benning said they wanted to add size and grit to it. So... I'm sure that's what they need more of. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Replace the guys that they gave three million to for size and grit with other guys? They're going to give three million. And, yeah, whatever. All good. Three We're not going to go into long that. Term this time. Um, yeah, no, I thought uh, that is very interesting. Like Seattle taking a look at him already. Probably going to get him pretty cheap. Hopefully to revive him. But as you said, they have to play, play him properly in order to get any sort of value out of him there. Uh, 
think that pretty much wraps her up. Wraps her up there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please rate the show on iTunes if you appreciate everything we do. On iTunes, give us a rate and uh, follow on Insta from and social media for more. Yeah, give us a follow on all the socials. And if you guys want, if you guys leave ratings and leave a nice little comment about us, we'll read them on the podcast. We can make that a nice little segment. So if you guys want to do that, say whatever you want. We'll, we'll read them out loud as long as keep, please keep them safe for work, guys. We're trying to keep this PG. So yeah, we'll put write us a review. Leave us a little note. Tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you don't like. You guys can be as harsh as you want. Just keep it safe for work and we're, we're, we'll be happy. So, uh, exactly. yeah. yeah, honey. Love it. Go Leafs, go. All right. See ya.